0: welcome to living word ministries with director and bible teacher debbie blank each week debbie examines current events through the lens of end times bible prophecies please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org now let's open our bibles to focus on truths from god's word with debbie blank
1: most of us can recite the our father prayer you remember that's when his disciples said to jesus how are we supposed to pray And he said, pray like this. One of the things in the Lord's Prayer, as we call it, we're told to pray, thy kingdom come. Because God's kingdom is going to come. He wants us to know that, to prepare for it and anticipate it. So you also have that thought in the Apostles' Creed. Not quite as many of us might know that, but the Apostles' Creed It tells us about Jesus that he descended into heaven from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Well, that means he's coming back again. And when he does, he's going to judge living and the dead. So it's clear he's going to return. For centuries, Christians have believed and followed the Our Father and the Apostles' Creed as truth, as truth either from the Bible or truth that talks about truths from the Bible. But that's changing now. Do we as a country still believe all that, or have our opinions changed? I'm Debbie Blank, looking today at some recent surveys that show the direction that we're going.
0: And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. There's a central statement of faith in a Christian communion service that should be familiar to most denominations. It's the simple declaration, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. This is at the core of our Christian faith— But is it possible that some believers have begun to doubt the significance of not only saying it, but believing it? And if so, why? Skeptics may complain that Christ's return has been imminent for 2,000 years. Yet one out of every 25 verses in the New Testament mentions Jesus' rapture, of the church, or his coming again to reign on the earth. As such, Christ's second coming is one of the most important and most frequently mentioned doctrines in the New Testament. And since every prediction about Christ's first coming was fulfilled with precision, can't we expect his second coming to be the same? Or are more people joining the scoffers of 2 Peter 3, now saying, where is the promise of his coming?
1: The promise of his coming is in his word, as you say, in numerous places throughout the word of God. For centuries, all the Christian denominations, they agreed that Jesus is coming again, Now, we might disagree on a whole bunch of other doctrinal issues and beliefs or how we run our church services, but they always agreed on that. That's why I mentioned the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed, because that's where we stood. That was the foundation of our faith. But we're seeing a change. Our society is not believing that anymore. A survey just a couple of months ago by Pew Research asked a very simple question, Do you believe Jesus will return to earth someday? In other words, is he going to come again, as we just talked about? 55% of U.S. adults said yes. 55%, that is such a small number. Now that reflects a couple of things. It reflects the fact that we have more religions represented in our country now than we've ever had before. But when you look at the breakdown of this, it's disheartening. 75% of Christians agree that Jesus is coming again someday, not necessarily right now. 75% of Christians. It used to be 100%. So that has really changed. What is not surprising is that 92% of evangelical Christians believe that Jesus is coming again. 86% of historically black Christians believe he's coming again. So that tells us that there are churches out there that are speaking the truth from the Word of God, that are teaching about the return of Jesus Christ, that stand on that as their doctrine, but also as their teaching. Because a lot of people, that's a good percentage of historically black and evangelical Christians believing that Jesus is going to return.
0: So what we're to understand from this survey is that while a majority of Christians still believe it's a much smaller percentage than it was before
1: that's correct and what's interesting is the denominations that also have a smaller percentage for example the catholics only 63 percent of catholics believe that jesus is going to return and yet they recite the our father all the time and the apostles creed all the time why only 63 percent and only 64 percent of mainline denominations agree that jesus is going to return Remember that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our faith, and his return is a foundational truth that everybody has agreed upon. So why such a difference here? The difference is how they interpret scripture. We talked about that last week on the show, the different interpretations of scripture. For the most part, Catholics and mainline denominations, they teach that many of the scriptures have already happened. There's four different interpretations of prophetic scripture. One is the preterist view, which means that all the prophecies that we look at as the future have already happened. And that tends to be what the Catholic and the Lutherans believe and some other mainline denominations. You also have the historicist view of understanding prophecy, which means that we are living through that at this point. Many mainline denominations believe that the church is the fulfillment of Israel and therefore all the prophecies in scripture we are living out today and that the church will eventually usher in this utopia where Jesus Christ will reign. That's not how scripture talks about it, but that's how many people believe. And then you have the idealistic approach to understanding prophecy, which is it's all symbolic. Therefore, you can't take any of it literally. Therefore, we don't know that any of these things are going to happen, including the return of Jesus Christ. Now we, on the other hand, take prophecies such as the return of Jesus Christ as futuristic, which is they are still yet to happen because they have not happened. Jesus promised us over and over again that he would return. He says in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus says right there, he's coming again. And by the way, that passage is one that's quoted often at funerals. Do give people hope that Jesus Christ is coming again? But that's not what people are teaching because they believe in the brotherist, the historicist or the idealist approach to understanding prophecy, including the return of Jesus.
0: So again, that means that in most of those approaches, you have to spiritualize things so that you're not taking it for what it actually says. If you take the word for what it actually says, and you're looking at prophecy, we know, for example, that Israel is prominent in the book of Revelation, Jerusalem is prominent in the book of Revelation, and therefore, if it's in there, and you are saying that it doesn't exist anymore, you've spiritualized it in a way that perhaps replaces Israel with the church or some other group of people. If you take Israel to mean Israel, then you know that these things haven't happened yet. And you know they couldn't have happened until 1948. So those of us who believe in the clarity of what the word actually says have been pretty excited about the developments that have happened with Israel. But those people who have spiritualized it into the church or something else don't understand that fulfillment of prophecy.
1: Now, a lot of these interpretations are fairly recent because again, down through the centuries, people have believed that Jesus was gonna return. It's only been lately when people are either not teaching that or not believing it. Another aspect of this survey that I found interesting was they broke down the education of the people and their responses. And what they found out is that college graduates, 48% believed that Jesus was coming again. Of those people with some college, 57% believed he was coming again. And those people with a high school or less education, 61% of them believe that Jesus is gonna return someday. So the higher your education, the less you believed in Jesus Christ's return. That tells me several things. One is the higher education they get, the less they're being taught about God or the less they're allowed to talk about God in the classrooms so that that becomes a non-issue. Also, the more highly educated people are, they oftentimes don't need God because their intellect allows them to get a job that is very lucrative and they become their own self-made people rather than thinking they needed God. Because sometimes well-educated people see God as a crutch for those of us who just can't make it in life or we need somebody to help us along. Rather than understanding that Jesus is our savior, the one who saved us from our sins and we go to him and follow him because he is our Lord. And we're going to spend eternity with him, not because he's our crutch or our Santa Claus or we want things from him, but simply so that we can have a relationship with him now and for eternity.
0: When you talked about college too, some of the college courses, maybe the sciences or the social sciences, even Old Testament classes, Bible classes in university are often constructed in such a way as to contradict the existence of God. And so we know of... Children who have gone off to college as believers and come back very skeptical at best. Some of them come back as atheists.
1: When I was in college at a Catholic university, our Old Testament survey class, the professor taught us how all of the miracles of the Old Testament were not miracles, but instead were just natural disasters or natural occurrences. So if I didn't know better, which I did at that time, fortunately, I would have walked out of that class agreeing with him because I wouldn't have known any better. But I didn't agree with him, and that was difficult for me because I'm supposed to be there learning from people who know more than me. Then there was a second question that they asked in this few survey a few months ago, and that was, do you believe we're living in the end times? Well, you we talk about that on this show all the time. Of course we believe we're living in the end times because we take scripture literally. We see the prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled, but that yet are being fulfilled in our lifetimes and can be fulfilled at any time. So yes, we believe we're living in the end times. But the answer to that is 39% of adult Americans believe we're living in the end days. What's fascinating again is that a survey in 2010, also by Pew Research, found that 41% of the people believed we're living in the last days. Now, these are adult Americans. These aren't necessarily Christians. It could be people of any religion. But that's Almost 40% of people believing that things are so wrong in our world today that we need a savior. We need someone to come and change it. Now, the fact that it's gone down two percentage points in 12 years tells us that fewer and fewer are believing that we're living in the end times. But still, that's a big number of people all across the religious spectrum believing that.
0: Well, I think it's ironic that the numbers have gone down because the signs of the times have certainly become clearer and clearer. There are more signs that Jesus is coming. If you study the signs in Matthew 24 and in Revelation and different places in the Bible, it's just kind of ironic to me that it's going down. And also, the thing that kind of struck me, too, when I'm looking at that question and I'm looking at the chart here, it shows that Catholic is just about the same percentage. In fact, it's a little bit under the category of other religion, or the nothing in particular category. And I found that stunning that those people believe as strongly, which isn't very strong, but they believe as strongly as the Catholics do.
1: 27% of Catholics believe we're living in the end days. What that tells me is that Catholics are not teaching about this. They oftentimes don't believe in future prophecies. They believe in the preterist or historicist view of prophecy, so they don't teach it as futuristic so people would not expect that we're living in the end days. But when you just look at society and the direction that we're going, you know that something's wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus is going to return right now, but it means that we're going in a wrong direction in our society. And unless something changes with as far as we've gone away from God, that means that we are looking at the times of Noah. Remember in Genesis 6.6, 6, it says that every thought of man's heart was only evil continually. We're seeing that more and more. As we look at that survey, we have 63% of evangelicals who believe we're living in the end times. But the highest percentage are the historically black churches. 76% of them believe we're living in the end days. Again, that tells me that historically black and evangelical churches are teaching the truths of the word of God and the prophecies that are contained in it, whereas these other churches aren't in the mainline denominations, 65% of them do not believe we're living in the end days. So again, they fall very much in line with the Catholics, the other religions, and the unaffiliates as far as their non-belief in the fact that times are changing every day, and they're only going to get worse until Jesus returns. Now we see again, high school education versus college education. 49% of high school or less educated people believe we're living in the end days, but only 27% of college graduates do. I can't emphasize enough the answer to all of these percentages is education. They've either been educated about the truths of scripture in the future, prophecies, or they haven't. And that's showing up in these statistics.
0: It seems like the more education they get, the further away they are from God's truth.
1: When I look at the statistics from 2010 versus 2022, I find that more evangelicals believe we're living in the last days, less Catholics, and more mainline denominations believe that. So the number's up in the mainline denominations as to what they're believing. Now, There was also a question posed a long time ago. Do you believe Jesus will return in the next 50 years? 46% believed that in 2010. Now in 2022, 58% believe that. That's a big shift. A lot more believe that Jesus is going to return basically in most people's lifetimes because they're seeing changes. I don't think they can tell us chapter and verse in scripture as to why these changes mean Jesus is going to return but they can feel it. The spirit of God is moving and showing people that something's different right now, that things need to change, or we're going to be faced with similarities at the time of Noah, specifically in the book of Revelation, because we take that book literally. Now, along with those statistics that we've just talked about with those questions from the Pew Research Company, we also have an interesting survey from the University of Chicago, a group called NORC, and that was presented in 2022. What that says is that fewer Americans feel, quote, on top of the world, 27% now versus 37% in 2001. That's a huge drop in 20 years. Fewer think things are going their way now, 63% versus 70%. In other words, we used to think we are on top of the world. Everything was going great in America, it can't get any better. And yes, we have our ups and downs, but life is still good. That's changing, their attitude's changing. 38% of Americans feel depressed, versus 33% 20 years ago. 23% say they're not happy. That's the highest percentage on record since 1972, and up 10% from just four years ago. People aren't happy. Why aren't they happy? Because their focus is on wrong things. Part of what we're seeing these days is anger and bitterness and criticism and ugliness. We're having problems even at our family dinners and our holidays because we disagree, whether it be on COVID or presidential candidates or politics or, or religion or anything. We used to agree or be able to talk about things civilly. We can't do that anymore. People are walking around scared to say anything because they might say something wrong or they might offend someone, or they might lose their job for it. Could these feelings, could these statistics have anything to do with why people are turning away from God? It's through Jesus that we have hope. It's through him that we have purpose and meaning in life. And these numbers are showing us that people don't have that meaning because they don't have the hope. They're living in this world and what the world offers, and that will disappoint us overall rather than looking at Jesus.
0: When we see a continuing rise in figures having to do with people who are depressed or suffering from anxiety, and you do look at what the hope is in Jesus Christ, it's like when people don't know which way to turn, they'll turn to all the wrong things. They'll numb themselves to get away from the reality that they feel, and they'll do drugs, they'll do alcohol, they'll do medications, they'll do video games or entertainment or whatever they can do to escape because that's the only other answer but if you turn to jesus if you look into the bible and you see the hope that's there that's what's missing when people are depressed and anxious is hope if you give them hope they're going to be able to come out of that and i think of the verse about cast your cares upon him for he cares for you if you could just cast your cares upon someone as wonderful and as powerful as our lord god you could start seeing things in a different way if you could see the hope that's in the Bible for the future, you would see things in a different way.
1: Well, Paul tells us something like that in 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For a momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So in other words, keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't lose heart. And First Peter 1 and verses three through six remind us of the hope we have in Jesus. When it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith, through a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. I just love it because that's where our hope is. That's where our joy is. We can find joy each and every day as we walk with Jesus, because it's all about him. Several months ago, we talked during Thanksgiving about getting up every day and thanking God for something new. As I've been doing that over and over, every day I find great things to be grateful for, even things that I don't like. Things that, whether it's the weather, or whether it's my health, or whether something happened to someone, I thank God for them because he's ultimately in charge. And it's in him I have hope and it's in him I can trust. So if we have problems with depression, or we don't think we're on top of the world, or things aren't going our way, now's the time to turn to Jesus. Because that doesn't mean your problems are going to change, but your heart will. Jesus will change your heart, and he will come alongside of you, sending his Holy Spirit to comfort us, and come alongside of us, and guide us in the direction where we'll go. And then we will find joy and hope that we read about in First Peter. Well, It is clear from the statistics that we've talked about that the spiritual focus of adult Americans has and is changing. In my particular observation, I think there's several reasons for that. The first one starts with the churches. Many churches have shirked their responsibility to teach Jesus and his word, to teach the literal interpretation of scripture. And instead, what many churches are focusing on is a cultural gospel, the woke movement, Or the LGBT movement. Or they're focusing on a social gospel, which is let's help people, which is wonderful. Jesus tells us to do that, but not by replacing the gospel or the truths of Jesus Christ. But clearly the church has shirked its responsibility. And I don't mean your church or mine. I mean other churches are turning away from the truths of God's word. Some because they want more people and they want to entertain people. Some because... They're afraid to offend people and others because the pastors just don't know scripture enough. Statistics show that pastors only spend two hours a week in the word of God. You and I spend a whole bunch more than that just preparing for these radio shows, not to mention our Bible studies and other things that we do because we love God and we want to know him and his word. So it's important that we pray for our churches. And if our churches are not teaching the word of God, we need to talk to the pastors and we need to switch churches. I'm so grateful for what's going on in the Methodist church right now. It's a split, and it'll maybe end up 50-50 when it's all said and done of how they will split. But you have a group of people who have said, we want to stand on the truth of the word of God, and we're willing to leave the church in order to do that. If more of us would do that, the church would start, again, standing up and speaking out for truth.
0: As you were talking about pastors and church leaders and whether they're following the Bible or not, I just got this sent to me. In December, the Vatican defrocked Father Frank Pavone, who has been described as the most vocal Catholic priest in America for the pro-life movement in a move that has shocked church conservatives. I just find that incredible. But it was, I believe, his stance, his pro-life stance that used to be the stance of the Roman Catholic Church, and the Pope was disapproving of it.
1: I know Father Pavone. He's a fabulous man. He is the greatest pro-life priest there is. So it's amazing to me, unless there was some moral decay, but you're saying that there isn't any according to what you're reading. And so what we're seeing is people that we respect are being chastised. That is so sad when we see people that we respect that have done a fabulous job, that are speaking out for their church, for their beliefs, and in this case, for biblical beliefs to have them chastised by their leader. And it's not just the Pope. It's happening all over the world with different leaders because if the pastors or the priests do not stand up for the woke movement or for the politically correct verbiage or whatever the cultural norm is at that time, they're being chastised. I totally admire people who will stand on the truth without concern for what their future is. That's something that you and I will do. Always here, we will stand on the truth on this radio program and in our lives. And there's coming a time when more and more of us are going to be chastised or lose our jobs or perhaps sued for what we believe by standing on the word of God. But we must do it. If you look at the time of Hitler, the Lutheran church became nothing more than a symbol of a church in Germany, but not any semblance of a true church standing on the word of God. They were really in the pocket of the government. That's what we're seeing in a lot of our churches today, in that they or their pastors are following the government directions rather than the truths of God's word. Another aspect that I believe is going on is that there's so much sexual and moral decay by pastors in the churches or by priests that people are turning away from the churches because they don't trust the pastors. They don't have respect for the pastors and they're equating that then with not having respect for the churches. Well, our focus is not on men. Yes, we get discouraged when things like that happen, but that's not where our focus is to be, it's to be on Jesus. Therefore, if a pastor has fallen, let us ask God where he would have us go to hear the truth of the word of God. And then the other issue is the parents. Parents are so busy with life and work that church isn't a priority, and they're not setting an example for their kids in how they live and in what they're teaching them from the Bible. Therefore, they're not training up their children in the way that they should go, which then results in children who do not have the Christian influence in their home. They're not having the churches. Certainly, they don't have it in school or with the entertainment, and most of the time not with friends. So the kids are growing up with a whole skewed view of the church or no view at all because they're getting the world's view instead of God's view. How do we change that? It all starts with Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. It all starts with us. We must ask forgiveness for our sins, the mistakes that we've made, and we must move forward with Jesus. And we must ask God's forgiveness for our our corporate sins and then do what we can to move forward in a positive way, whatever that takes, so that we can know Jesus and we can stand on his word.